0: all right uh before we actually go into this week's Sophie-Toby, Tony I have to ask you a question because it's trying mm-hmm. to be crazy what's do up you have, do you have a fireplace behind you in that behind that glass
1: <laughs> uh it is not real it's uh it that um entertainment center doubles as a space heater and it has like one of those things you flip it and like it has like a fake screen that looks like a fireplace. Okay. It's electric. It's like woogie
2: woogie oogie.
1: Yeah. The like, I'm if, I asking, hit, if I hit I'll show you when we're done recording, but if you hit the button, it does, it's like fake flames. It's not a real fireplace.
0: Okay, because from this angle, without knowing, like I just realized it was a like it doubles as a fireplace. From this angle, it looks like there's a plate shattered on your floor and there's a bunch of glass on your floor. Interesting. <laughs> it's, it's there is not, crazy. but uh that's funny. <laughs> It, it, it looks like a pl- like a platter shattered on your floor. And you just didn't notice it yet and picked it up.
1: Uh, oh, I see it now. Yeah. If I look at my, if I look at my, yeah, I, see, I can, I see what you're seeing now. Yeah. Interesting.
0: <laughs> it's been driving me crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: No, there's not, not the there's not a, <laughs> there's no, there's no <laughs> diehard hazard on my floor. We're, we're good.
3: <laughs> we cover the hard hitting issues here on trophy horse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's been driving me crazy. Like my OCD is going crazy. I'm like, does he not see the glass? Before I start, uh, Tony, you want to be known as Pope or Tony for the show? Um, what what's what do you what
1: comes more naturally to you? What do you want to call me?
0: <laughs> it doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> uh, let's. Uh, I I guess I'm mostly using Tony nowadays, so we can we can go by that. But you know, if you want to, we can talk about both. You know, I can say like I used to be this or so. You know.
0: Well, I just know at the end of the twerp days, you guys were going by your real names. That's why I was saying.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would do Tony in that case. Thank you for asking.
0: Hello everybody and welcome to Trophy Horrors, this is episode 519. I'm your host, Tricky Mick, alongside with me, the man, the myth, the legend, it's Alex.
3: You know, I really only have one thing to say in this moment, and that's that Homer was right. And knowing Homer, he's probably hears that a lot.
0: Nah, I wouldn't be too sure about that. He brings the awesome every week, it's As always, no Tricky's wrong. What's, what's with the Tricky? It's the
3: truth, man. Wait, tri- tricky hate, I was sending Homer some love there, and you're like, no, no, not Homer at all, doesn't sound like him, and, and Yield called you on it, it wasn't tricky hate, he wasn't just injecting that into the conversation, you started the ball rolling.
0: All right, and we teased two weeks ago that we're going to have a special guest, he is a longtime friend of the show, he is the master of the twerp. He carries a chain gun as he does his public duties. It's Tony Wilson. How you doing, sir? Hey, how you doing?
1: That was a nice, nice uh, intro there. I appreciate it.
2: D- don't, don't, don't get used to it. That'll be the only good thing he does the rest of the show.
3: <laughs> man, if Tricky could only put as much effort into his segues, we might have a full blown podcast here. See,
2: I tricky hate.
0: Come it's on, not, it's Forget- not hate. It's
2: Forget- truth, man.
0: I've done a lot better. I've done this for 519 episodes. I'm pretty. You're good getting at it, better.
2: Though. You're not on Alex level, but you are getting better. Ooh, you got a, nice! You got a
1: solid, solid episode count there. Like, well, well done. You know, back in the in the twerp days, where do we stop? Around like uh, 250, I think.
2: Something, Something like that. We might have hit 300, but yeah, 250.
1: Maybe so. Yeah, you know, props to you guys for for that
0: episode count. That's 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 nothing to sneeze at. For real, good stuff. I. I still remember one of my favorite uh, intros I ever did was uh, for episode 201, and we had Pac-Man Polar Bear on the show, mm. and I introduced him, I said, so Pac-Man, how it feel to be on an actual 201st episode of a podcast? Because they stopped at <laughs> 200.
3: They like to stop at a nice round number there.
0: So, Tony, uh, yeah. you, you uh, I've been following you uh, on Facebook, and seeing that it- you- <laughs> done Uh a lot of things in your world uh yeah (laughs) actually i found out that you actually moved to the same city i was living in although we never met up that's Uh, true
1: and now no longer technically in the same city
0: but still close (laughs) yeah you're not far away uh so for the people that don't know who you are give us a quick biography of what you've accomplished and what you're doing and you know just generally who you are
1: sure yeah sure so um so, as far as like the audience for this show, uh, people would probably best know there were uh, a couple years there, what, like five, six years, I think, uh, that, uh, I helped to, uh, I helped, uh, co-hosted and produced a show, uh, called the Game Tour Podcast. Uh, Yield was also on that with me. Uh, Yield's brother-in-law, uh, Riley was also on that show. Uh, and then we kind of had uh, uh, Mike Haefling was also on that show for a bit. And then we had some some folks sort of rotating in and out, some guests and all that. So that's, I'm going to guess, probably most of where your audience would know me from. Uh, but we stopped that show in like 2016 or so. Um, so aside from the podcast, I've done a ton of freelance games writing. I was a video producer at Game St- uh, GameSpot for uh, about five years. Uh, also uh, worked for IGN, brief or not IGN, G4 briefly. Um, Freelance for a bunch of, you know, your other big outlets, your games, radars, your pastes, your US Gamer, etc. Uh, And presently, I am doing a YouTube channel called Framework. Uh, The easiest way to get there is youtube.com slash channel slash framework video, where I do video game essays and I... Uh, the way I like to phrase it is I, I take a look at the small things that make a big difference in your favorite games. So, you know, I take the games people already are enjoying playing and I try to look at them uh, from a different from a different angle. Try to take a different approach on it than most people are talking about. Uh, and I have a lot of fun um, doing that. Uh, and then the most recent thing I'm doing, I can't technically talk about for NDA reasons, but hopefully it's something I'm able to talk about soon.
0: All right. Yeah. And Yield, has a it feel to be podcasting? Yeah, it's, it's
2: awesome. I've seen him out there doing his old video game thing.
0: <laughs> I've yeah, I've run, I've run into you a couple times, Tony. Now, granted, granted uh, you know, yield is actually I, I, I don't know if there's an easier way to say this, but yield is a closer friend to you than I ever was. But I ran into you at trade shows. I ran you into mm-hmm. Max East a couple mm-hmm. times. I always seen you busy, bro, and it's it <laughs> like I, I don't want to sound like I'm sucking up to you, but like I'm actually inspired by the all the things you've done. I mean, hell, you worked for G4. I mean, granted it wasn't that long. It's true. <laughs> that <laughs> but, is true. But that's that's a, a sense of accomplishment. I mean, yeah, you also yeah. worked for GameSpot as you said. Mm-hmm. Like you've you've taken what most people do on a independent podcast and you actually progressed yourself into the world, which is damn near impressive. I appreciate it. Thank
1: you very much. Um, I I'd, I'd say we're about even as far as the friendship stuff with Yield, <laughs> you know, because you've been doing this. You guys have been doing this show for you know longer than we did the other show, so I'd, I'd say I'd say we're even on that front. Um, but yeah, that that hustle, you know, man, it it never stops. Like people, I sometimes I think there's a misconception for folks about like you know, um covering games, right? And it's like, no, man, you do the hustle because you love it. And then if you happen, you know, I got lucky and got the opportunity to do it as my career for a bit there, you know, and the hustle does not stop when you get that. You just keep hustling because now you have the job. Now you got to hustle to do the job, you know? Yeah.
0: All right. So let's go into our updated trophy counts. I am level 681, total trophies of 16,636. With Three hundred and seventy-two platinums. Alex, level four
3: fifty-six with a total trophy count of seven thousand nine hundred eight and a platinum count of one hundred twenty-three in a in one hundred twenty-two games.
2: Uh yield four seventy with the trophy count of eight three three nine and a platinum count of one forty-nine.
0: Sid is level five fifty-three total trophies of eleven thousand four hundred forty-nine with a plat count of two hundred and twenty. Tony, uh,
1: I am trying to find the count for you. <laughs> um, it's here. I'm like I'm logged into PSN in my web browser, but I don't see just like a thing to look at my trophies. So I'm trying to find the number for you.
0: Is uh your your PSN just uh, Chain Gun Pope? But yes, it's all it
2: private. I already looked.
1: Oh, maybe oh, that's you? why, because I have it set to private. If you want to hang on for like 30 seconds, I can just boot up the PlayStation and look.
0: All right. Well, we'll do that. Uh, While we're doing that, Yield, why don't you tell us what you've been playing?
2: So, I have been playing some Just Cause 3, World of Warship Legends, some Helldivers, Rocket League on Thursdays, Everybody's Golf, played a couch co-op game called Hunt Down the other day, Deep Rock Galactic, and some Horizon Forbidden West. I believe that's everything I've touched on this week.
0: Alright, Alex? A
3: little bit of Rocket League with Yield and Nitro there on Thursday night as we kick it every Thursday night for Rocket League's over on Proven Gamer. We, uh, let's see. No Horizon Forbidden West this week. I did jump back into Streets Rage 4 now that I've gotten my Horizon Platinum. I'm trying to clean up some other trophies now that I'm kind of Sans, a, a brand new game to play. Tried to uh, get some of the stuff from the Mr. X's Nightmare DLC, and uh, struggling with that because it's hard as balls to try to get to the third, uh, to tier 30, as far as the, uh, the survival goes. But, uh, gonna give it a few more cracks before I give up completely. Uh, big, I guess, most notable thing of the week is the Returnal Ascension DLC. I got my 100% back, got all the trophies in uh, the Ascension DLC, climb the Tower of Sisyphus, so feeling real proud about that. A, you know for something an update that we got for free it's a damn near perfect thing that uh and it's just again i've had so much fun with that game and this is kind of like the perfect extension of that uh, a nice good bit of challenge there to make you earn those new trophies but you know nowhere near impossible you can do it you know especially if you got accustomed to the combat and you, you were able to become proficient at it so nice nice challenge there uh some added story for Celine and her family there as well so you get more story you get uh, more action uh, good balance of challenge and accomplishments, so yeah, I uh, I love the Returnal DLC, and again, I'm, I'm glad they supported the game, you know, didn't even ask any more money for it they just gave it to us for free, so I think that's fantastic and uh, yeah, from here on out I also downloaded Shovel Knight again, so I think I'm going to try to go back into Shovel Knight and get some of the trophies I missed in that, after they released all like the King of Cards and the Specter Knight and all that kind of stuff, where you, you have to go through the game with the different some of the different knights but, uh, but yeah, I'm not looking to buy any other games right now but uh, just going to clean up some other trophies.
0: Are you going to use that shovel and shovel knight to dig up some trophies, huh?
3: <laughs> well, it depends on how far they're buried, because some of those trophies are real difficult. But uh, I'm, I'm going to give it my damnedest.
1: I remember some in King of Cards maybe being a little tricky, but King of Cards is also, uh, I mean, if you're going to go through all the DLC, great, there's so much good stuff in there. The, um, what do they call it, Joustus, Super fun in King of Cards. That'll be If you haven't played it before, uh, you are going to love it. It's great. All
0: right. And uh, Tony, I saw you looking at your trophies. And- yeah.
1: <laughs> I wrote it down for you. Um, Dead. So I'm level 352. Total trophies okay. are at uh, 4,099. Uh, and I have 41 platinums. Uh, the most recent of which just happened like yesterday or two days ago, something like that, is at the time we're recording. Uh, the most recent one's Elden Ring.
0: Yeah, I saw Elden Ring up there. Congrats on that! I mean, Thank congrats you. get congrats on getting a platinum CDS game.
1: Yeah, I mean, it. Uh, <laughs> you can, you can. Uh, it's honestly, it's not a tough platinum compared to other Souls games. It is not a tough platinum to get. I mean, you still have to play a Souls game, right? And they are hard. Like they just are. Um, but this one is. It's not as bad as like some. You know, in past games, you like had to do multiple replays because you had to use like boss souls to get all these special weapons and like a, if a boss soul needed to be used for more than one well then you got to go to new game plus to get it again uh but none of the special weapons or spells work like that in Elden Ring all the ones that are associated with the trophy you just find out in the world um so it's not nearly as bad and then you just save scum those endings and get them all so you don't have to actually play the game three times
0: <laughs> now did did you get the platinum in Bloodborne
1: I got the platinum, I have the platinum in every from all the like modern from software games. So Bloodborne, uh, Sekiro, Dark Souls. All those. The only one I do not have is Dark Souls Two, because some trophies are like associated with the online multiplayer covenants, and you gotta get like the highest rank in like several of them. And so I'm like, I'm not doing that. This is good enough, <laughs> you know. Uh, and especially now, it would be, you know, it's Dark Souls Two. Yes, people are playing it, but that would take so much time. Um, so not that's not worth it. But I do have the platinum in, yeah, in Bloodborne uh, and and all the other ones.
0: The I I don't want to speak for Alex, but Alex kind of said the Bloodborne platinum broke him, and that's why he's not gonna be going playing Elden Ring. Uh,
1: I'm
3: what part broke you? I'm I'm curious. <laughs> well, if if it's an acceptable answer, answer to say the start of the game, uh, I had never played a From Software game before, so I got real, I got mm-hmm. walled real hard at Father Gascoigne uh sure and even kind of like you know uh central Yarnum was kind of a cold bucket of water on my face because i (laughs) Uh felt like i was having to grind super early within the game just to get to the initial bosses you know the the werewolves on the bridge like i at one point ran past those looking for another safe spot another lantern because i'm like oh shit i'm having so much trouble with these i'm just gonna run past them and i ran right into the um Cleric cleric beast and was not expecting that at all i was like yes i'm gonna make it oh shit so bloodborne was kind of a rude awakening for me as far as the souls games goes um Mm -hmm. i eventually got past father gascoigne by actually using help online i had somebody else jump into my game the only part of that game where i needed help but after a certain time of getting used to combat i was able to get the bottom in the game i actually went to the old hunters dlc and people were like the Orphan of Chaos is one of the hardest bosses in game, and I'm like, it took me like five tries to beat that thing. What are you talking about? Not easy. Yeah,
1: it's but it's funny how that happens with with bosses in the in these games. There are some that people find incredibly difficult, and then there's like you like it, there's always the boss where people go, oh that one's so hard, and you go, really? Because I honestly have the same experience with Orphan of Chaos. Like I I've never found it. Th- it's not like you said it is not easy. Of course it is not, but. I've never found it as hard as other people say, or like in Sekiro, the, like the super boss in that game is called the demon of hatred and I beat it the first time I ever attempted it. Um, and so like, I didn't get it, but then there are other bosses that were like total stonewalls for me when I was playing some of these games, you know, um, that's just that's how it is and hey if that's the one that broke you then like yeah don't play Elden Ring <laughs> because like you know there's all the buzz about like oh it's the most accessible one they've made and this is a great jumping on point whatever like i don't think so man like i think the people who are like maybe this is the souls game for me it's like a win in the lottery thing it's like it's gonna be someone's it's gonna be the game maybe for someone but probably not you just because it is still very much one of those games you know So, if you didn't really enjoy your time with Bloodborne, then, like, don't do it to yourself
3: again, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, you actually answered the question I was going to ask you, is that the open-worldiness, the sandboxness of Elden Ring made it a little bit more accessible to people, because I've actually heard that. I've heard yay or Mm -hmm. nay on both of that, but, I mean, Bloodborne is a weird case for me, because I love the aesthetic, and I love the monsters. It's just that feeling of grinding from... The time you get into the time you get out just kind of never sat well with me. And sure. maybe I was having to, maybe, you know, people who are vets of the series didn't have to grind as much as I did, but it was just kind of like I had to push myself through the frustration to get through. And, you know, I, I understand why people enjoy the game and why they enjoy those games in general, because there was a sense of, ac- a sense of accomplishment after getting through right. that and all the chalice dungeons and somehow beating the abhorrent beast. But... I don't know. It's just kind of like, (laughs) I always think it's like, you know, do I want to jump into another Souls game? Because, you know, after Horizon, there's Elden Ring. I don't want to jump into another gigantic game right away. But I just never can be like, I'm just kind of like, maybe later, not now. So maybe, maybe not the games for me, but I totally understand. Uh, I see the strong points of the games. I totally understand why people enjoy playing those games. Yeah, and I, like, and when I
1: talk about it, I'm, I'm, you know, I never try to, I never want to be, like, gatekeepy or, like, elitist about it. Just, like, hey, yeah, yeah, if you don't enjoy it, then, like, then don't worry about it. Just don't play it. you know what I mean? Like, you know, there's all sorts of people who do, like, the, oh, get good, or you're not good enough to play it, whatever. Like, nah, like, those people can go screw. Like, if, if it's frustrating, then don't play it, you know? Like, then don't worry about it. Play something that will bring you, you know, more fun, you know? Then, then of course, there is the uh, other, other problem that, of Homer? I see
3: a game like Sifu... And I'm like, that game looks kind of sexy. But then Sifu is also kind of notoriously hard. So it's like... Sifu is... Am I... Uh, I
1: I loved that game as well. Uh, I will say too, they actually... They patched one or two things before it came out. Because I I had played it pre-release for some freelance stuff. And I'm in the rare, like... I'm in that, like, rare kind of category of, like, I actually did beat this game before. They technically did make it easier. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. But, like, you know, hey... Yeah, put an easy mode in it. Whatever. Let other people play it. Who cares? <laughs> I won't use it, but for the people that want it or would like to play the game on an easier difficulty, then
0: sure, go for it, you know? I, I just want to make sure Homer heard you say, you know, that because Homer's been pressuring me to play Elden Ring. It's, I mean, listen, I love
1: it. But like I said, if it's, if it's it's if you do not already like those games, I can't imagine it will change most people's minds, you know?
0: all right uh so besides elder ring have you been playing anything like um one that
1: I don't want to talk about just because I like keeping the games I'm playing for my channel uh like under wraps um but elder ring has definitely been the biggest thing um uh weird West as well I played a good amount of uh weird West is awesome I don't know if any of you guys got a chance to play it um, I' even heard of it so did any of you play dishonored
0: yes no.
1: So it's it's um a couple of the like uh big names behind Dishonored they formed their own independent studio and they released this game called Weird West and it is a top down like isometric immersive like wild west RPG kind of thing and you know how like you know Dishonored that game is all about like you take you you play a mission the way you want to play it right so if you want to go stealth you got that you want to go in You know, just weapons free. You go in. You want to kind of find your own way through a level. Great. So, Weird West lets you do all of that. Except it's like I said, like a top down Wild West game. And I don't know that I've played a game that respects the player's choices as much as this game. Like every little thing you do will come back with some consequence. It's incredible. Like I freed a I freed a guy who was kidnapped from his from a like some bandits kidnapped him. I freed him from his cage, and then like an hour later, I'm playing. And I'm trying to, like, uh, bring in a bounty, right? And so I'm trying to, like, take the guy alive. I'm leading him out of his camp and the rest of his goons catch me. So now I'm, like, trying to, like, not accidentally shoot the guy who I'm trying to bring in alive, but kill all the gang. And then the guy I rescued from the cage shows up to start, like, just fighting alongside me. So there's all sorts of these, like, really cool, like, payoffs
0: with every little decision
1: you make. It's a really, really cool game.
0: All right. Uh... All right. And for me, the only thing I've been playing all week is Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga. And I have to say, I'm absolutely in love with this game. I think it. I, I if it was be- different circumstances, I honestly think this could win game of the year. But I know Lego games aren't even considered for that. Hmm. But what I like about this is they didn't just remake all the other the, the other Star Wars Lego games. They actually built brand new levels, brand new sections. Every episode is entirely different. Um, it's each episode you can go through at, at say an, an hour and a half to two hours. They cut out a lot of the nonsense. Um, as far as the upgrading system, uh, you have to actually upgrade the powers. So anybody that's played a Lego game knows that you know after a certain point, The bricks just don't matter anymore because you're going to have like 10 billion gazillion of them and you have nothing to do with it. This game actually makes you use those bolts uh, to upgrade certain things, buy characters. It's not just a simple one and done like, okay, I've gotten the 10 plus multiplier. I don't have to worry about bits anymore. You still have to worry about bits in this. Uh, I got the first million and it's not as simple as, you know. With the Lego games, you, you get the first million, you get the two plus mu- two multiplier, and then after that, it just gets easier to do the bolts. This, you actually need another thing that are found uh, w- within the world, but they're not as simple to get to. So, like, you may have the million bolts, but you don't have this one thing, and you have to wait until later in the game to get it. It's, it's, uh, I'm really liking it. I, I, it's a, it's a strong contender for me for game of the year, but I know, you know, with, Within the industry, it wouldn't be considered. But, yeah, it's definitely a good game. And if you are any way, shape, or form loving Lego Lego games, you're going to love this one. So you you
1: said, like, each episode is, like, a level, basically. So it's not like the previous ones where, like, one episode was broken up into a couple different levels. It's just, like, one level per episode. There's five
0: missions per episode. Okay. But they cut out a bunch of the nonsense. Like, Mm -hmm. um. Okay, just uh I I misremember my movies cuz it's been a while since I've seen the uh, mm-hmm. the original three. Um but basically uh this is a spoil for anybody hasn't seen Star Wars but, you know, it's 2022. So, yeah, wh- what are you doing? <laughs> um the the scene, I think it's a, I think it was in uh Empire where Lando turns over Han to Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. normally, like, in the previous Lego games, you played up to that point. That part is just basically, like, a, a five-minute cutscene. And then it, it, just, it goes to, okay, after that cutscene, okay, now we gotta go track down Boba. And it's that quick. Mm. It's like, it you, okay. you don't have to do all the nonsense of having to go through the meeting. You know, the boss fights don't seem overpowered, like... It it takes a little while to get to the to the you know to the boss fights, but like in the other boss fights, it's like okay, this guy is invulnerable until this particular thing happens. No, they're vulnerable from the start, and you can take out. It's cut down. They you know they have like uh quick time events to you know do certain things. You know uh, parrying. You know you your sabers get together. You're having like a power struggle back and forth, and it's a button mash. But it's not like anything that feels like, oh, okay, I'm going to do the same thing 20 times just to knock off four hearts. You know, mm. it's, it's, I, I'm really enjoying this. And it's, uh, I j- literally just finished Return of the Jedi uh, before we started recording. So all I have now is episodes seven, eight, and nine. And then I can go into free play. But it honestly feels like the, the free play is going to be a majority of the game because you have so many plans to explore, you have the space to explore. It's really well done and I'm really happy they didn't just take the first 6 games and say okay we re- you know gave them a new skin. They actually went in and redid every single episode to make it more modern and I, I really enjoy that.
1: That's cool. That's kind of when I was first hearing about it what I was worried about was it's just here's that again plus the new movies but it's good to hear it is a fresh new
0: thing. Yeah, they they went in and actually did the work. It's not just a you know a, a new skin over it. Cool. So. All right, so let's get into our topics here. Our first topic, um, as normal, comes from IGN, uh, because I don't know how to find a different source of information. This article, was well,
3: a lot of times, tricky. There are links within the articles to the original source of the information. Yeah.
0: That uh, I, I know, but you know, you you're a writer, and I'm sure Tony will uh, agree with you. You know, you should give proper respect to the person that wrote the original article. But I'm lazy.
1: Hey, it, listen, if, if you're using IGN's article for your show notes, like that's fine because you're reading, you're going to read their, you know, their, their skew on it, if you will. That's cool. If, if you were writing your own piece, then yeah, dig for the original. But, it, you know, it's, it's a podcast. It's You can chill with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, see, IGN often gets their stories from other people, like, oh, this is coming from Bloomberg. I yeah, oh, exactly. You go to Bloomberg to get the original article. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, hey, same. I, I I do the same thing. I got I got to plumb Bloomberg for stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm on reset era all the time finding stuff. So I get it.
4: All right.
0: Uh, this is coming from Ryan Tinsdale. He says PlayStation has more acquisitions planned. Well, we kind of knew that uh, article goes on to say Sony still has plans to purchase more studios despite acquiring Bungie and Haven within the last two months. Sony Interactive Entertainment President Jim Ryan said on the official PlayStation podcast, the Sony's first party success has allowed it to invest into more studios. Quote. We are in a really good place with PlayStation Studios right now, and we've been for the past few years. The critical success and the commercial success of the games that we've been making that has given us permission to invest heavily in content creation. We're growing our studios organically and growing them through acquisition. We've acquired five studios during the course of 2021. We're in discussions with Bungie, and we have more planned. This is getting us into a cycle, a virtual cycle, where success begets success that's the end of the quote uh this organic growth has seen sony acquire seven studios since the beginning of 2021 headlined by this thir- 3.6 billion purchase of destiny developer bungie in february for a total of 18 how 18 in-house developers
3: well uh, depending upon who you ask the headliner is house mark but nobody asked me so
1: i didn't realize uh, they were up to 18 now that's a uh, that's significant <coughs>
0: Now, uh, we've gone over this many times on the show, given our opinions. Tony, who would you like to see, uh, PlayStation buy? Um, like to see, I, I couldn't
1: tell you. Like, there's nothing that I'm like burning for, but one that's been rumored and one that I would be like, that would make sense to me is a, a lot of people rumoring about them trying to grab from software, um, and I, I could see that happening you know if in a world where microsoft can buy activision blizzard <laughs> sony can buy from software you know so i could totally see that happening and i think that's maybe the only way we'd actually ever get a bloodborne 2 which i would love to see that um and and i've always honestly it's just because it's the platform that i've played them on but i've always viewed you know your well demon souls was exclusive but like you know i've i've viewed some of your other non-exclusive ones, like your Dark Souls and your Sekiro, there's always been PlayStation in my brain. So to me, that would just make sense. I think that is one that they would be very likely to do.
0: All right, and just you know, just get your opinion on uh, mm-hmm. some of our suggestions. Uh, one of the other ones was Konami. Sure,
1: yeah. Hey, some someone needs to buy Konami. <laughs> someone needs to, so they can actually make games
0: again. <laughs> uh, I think Alex brought up a couple times Capcom. Sure. Yeah, I can see it. And one that I suggested, which I know is never going to happen, but Ubisoft. That would be huge.
1: That would be huge. Uh, like, uh, yeah, I mean, th- I mean, you know, a year ago I would have said nobody would have gone for Activision Blizzard, and you know, your 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 Ubisofts and your your EAs are on that scale. So I don't know. Who knows, right? Like, anything's possible now, man. It's crazy. People buying everyone. <laughs> um, and what and what I like seeing too is um is is buying up you know some of your 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 you know your smaller scale studios because then they get like the budget for more stuff um like uh what is uh maybe they already own them but whoever developed um uh oh i'm forgetting the name of the game uh ps5 very ps2 like platformer game um kenna bridge of spirits um that, that. that
3: was that was Ember Labs. They had a deal with Ember, but Ember is independent, but okay. they had a deal that with Ember be, to make thank it exclusive.
1: you That would be one that I could also see them buying up. Um That was a great game. Uh, an, an amazing debut for a studio. Really felt like a classic, like kind of PS2 platformer kind of game. I think that would make a whole lot of sense for them to scoop them up
3: too. And fueling more fire to this, besides Jim Ryan coming out and saying they have more acquisitions acquisitions coming out. A couple weeks ago, there was a story that Greg Miller, uh, the the name of the podcast is PS I Love You, right? Is that yes,
0: yes? Yeah. PS I Love You XL XL. Uh,
3: well, they they were delaying an episode of their podcast because they were heard that were big things coming down the pipe. Uh, of course, the reveal of PlayStation Plus the tiered system was one of those things. But also, they came out and said later, uh, him and, and a, uh, he and Jeff Grubb talked about this, or were kind of had the same information, and they they were kind of talking together that. Another acquisition, like a huge acquisition, was on the way, and that's one of the reasons that he delayed the show was in case it happened, they could talk about it. Of course, nothing has come out since, and we have Haven, and, you know, there's still speculation that there's another big acquisition on the way. We know there's more, but there's – there's I think everyone's expecting a huge acquisition at this point. Yeah. But, Haven uh, is the – is Jade Raymond's studio, right? Yeah, it's actually their first, I think, Canadian-based studio okay. that they own. Okay.
1: Oh, you know what? Um – I mean, I guess they're – I know they're under the EA banner, but I could see them trying to, like, scoop out BioWare from under EA as well, like, to just buy them from them, you know?
3: God, that would – that would definitely help uh, help out BioWare quite a bit. I actually yeah. saw – I don't know if you guys saw, there were some April Fool's Day jokes where people had thrown out there that Sony had actually bought Konami, and I was like, oh, God, no, please, no. There's so much better things you could do with that money. I mean, get, I look, I understand Konami has some really – good properties you could do a lot with but you got to have the people to work on those games so for me konami it's like you know maybe especially for how expensive they would be maybe not the best purchase but did anyone see any other like april fool's day jokes surrounding that
0: i actually stayed off of the internet on april 1st because uh there was uh an april fool's joke that i found uh saying that aew signed goldberg <laughs> I, oh please no! And I believed it for like twenty <laughs> seconds until I went. Oh wait, wait. What's yeah, the I uh, I also
1: largely actually stayed off the web just because you know, as someone who was writing a lot of news, I was. I just messaged the managing editor. I was like, yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm just. We're going to do like one sort of compilation of all the best April Fool's jokes and someone else I'm sure really wants to write that. So I'm just going to not write today because it's going to be too hard to pick apart the real from the
3: fake and I, I, I'll I, just chill. Uh, Tony, have you ever been had by a good April Fool's, Jay, Fool's Day joke and like written about it? Written about it, no. I've definitely been
1: had by some in the past and been like, oh, look at this. What I really look for on those days is not so much the people trying to pull one over, but just the really well done – like you know it's fake, but it's just so well done that you love it. Like the one that always comes to mind for me is when IGN made that like Zelda movie trailer.
0: That's exactly um, what I was going to say. That's the one that got me.
1: Yeah. that's Well, it didn't. it didn't get me because like I knew because of the day, but I appreciated it because it was like – You're not trying to sell this as real necessarily, but you still, you made a good video and that's what I love. You know, Um, like that's interesting. One of my favorites, we actually did this. This was back when I was at GameSpot. One of my favorites we ever did was we did a video that you could control the Guardians in Breath of the Wild. Um, And we, we got very, we captured very specific footage. Our motion graphics guy designed a very specific overlay to like make it look real and it it looked very real. I, I loved uh how it all came together. Um so I just love like well done stuff like that, you know?
0: Unbelievable. Uh I the, the one that I thought was absolutely ridiculous was uh Cosair was uh introducing new products mm. and they they released one that you obviously knew was fake from the like from the jump. But then they doubled down and they came out with the one button keyboard.
1: Yeah, the one percent keyboard. <laughs> I do remember that, yeah.
0: <clears throat> All right. Uh speaking of one percent, there's one percent. This new game that was announced today is gonna be coming out anytime in the next ten years. <laughs> coming from IGN and written by Adam Bankhurst, Kingdom Hearts four and Kingdom Hearts missing link has been announced at the series' twentieth anniversary event. While no platforms or release date window for Kingdom Hearts 4 was revealed, we do get a glimpse of Sora in the New World, Quadrum, a quick look at the gameplay, and an ended in tease complete with Donald and Goofy. The footage we were given shows that our style very much resembles the previous games, but has more realistic look this time around. Square Enix also confirmed that the game is, quote, in early development, so that means, you know, 20 years away. <laughs> so the wait might be a tough one. Uh... I got to say when it comes to Kingdom Hearts I kind of lost interest in the series and I never even played 3.
1: I um first of all I was like I was like to t- this coming out on a Sunday which you know is is not it's it's what it's it's t- it's not the very ne- it's not the next day in japan right it's but it they're significantly ahead of us in hours but i remember seeing that like waking up on a sunday morning of all things like really we're announcing kingdom hearts 4 on a sunday morning okay uh you know i know that we are not the only country in the world but it was just funny to see that news to like roll over and see it in the morning but uh yeah man i i watched trailer and i am I, a kingdom hearts fan um and, you know, I'll be 40 when this game comes out. <laughs> because, like, you know, it's, 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 these games. Square does not know what they're doing right now, just to be frank. So I don't know when this game's coming out. But, um, uh, it was another trailer, you know, it looked sharp. Sora looks kind of more grown up, if you will. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's so little to go on right now. I, I know Square doesn't want to leave any money on the table, but, I'm still kind of surprised to even know that there's another one coming.
3: Hey, they got to capitalize on that Soar and Smash craze. You know, they finally got him in there and they want to cash in on that
0: popularity. Yeah,
1: that's true.
0: Kingdom Hearts Missing Link is a new iOS and Android game that features 3D action familiar to the mainline entries and a closed beta test is planned for later later this year. You know,
3: for how often Square talks about how disappointed they are with the sales of their games... They uh, no, they didn't think to ask their fans how disappointed they are that just taking them so damn long to get new Kingdom Hearts games coming out.
0: All right, well, yeah, you for s- real. You bring up the disappointment in sales, and our next article is written by Amelia Zol- Zolder. uh, and it go it goes on to say, Ido's Montreal has quote no regrets about the Guardians of the Galaxy sales. Now, before I read the article, uh. We've spoken on this on the show many times about how Square Enix has unrealistic sales expectations, saying that Tomb Raider didn't didn't uh, meet their they. Yeah, and Guardians of the Galaxy didn't sell as much. Uh but let me go ahead and, on the article. Uh it says despite a somewhat rocky start with sales, Guardians of the Galaxy developer Idos Montreal is confident the game is still a quote great ride. In the wake of the game's 2021 release, Square Enix initially stated that Guardians of the Galaxy sales has underperformed. Thanks to numerous award nominations, discounts, and its inclusion on Game Pass, however, its sales have improved since release. In the meantime, it has benefited from positive word of mouth, and Eidos Montreal stands by the game's quality overall. Quote, I have no regrets, end quote. Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy Senior Creative Director, Jean-Francois Dugas, told Eurogamer, quote, We did everything we could, but that's the reality of the market. And let's not forget it's a new IP. Even though we all say Guardians of the Galaxy are known, it's still a new IP in the video game market. It could be a lot of people don't even know that the game is out yet or that they're not exactly sure what it is, end quote. While Guardians of the Galaxy might have kicked off with low sales by Square Enix's standards, it is still a critically successful game, amassed in positive reviews thanks to its intriguing campaign. Ultimately, it performed much better than its marvel inspiring sibling Crystal Dynamics Avengers, which ranked lower for its heavy focus on loot, which ranked lower for its heavy focus on loot-based mechanics. All right, so Tony, I'm going to go to you. Uh Obviously we know Square Enix is out of their minds with their sales expectations. Did you play Guardians and what did you think of it? And uh is IDOS Montreal, you know, I, I don't want to say they're they're right or wrong for saying what they said, but obviously they gotta stick up for their game.
1: Of course, yeah. Um so I have actually I have not played Guardians myself. Uh to be honest, when I saw um the you know, some of the initial gameplay trailers and stuff, they just didn't sell me on it, so I have not played it. Um, it is on, you know, I know, you know, this, this show leans more, you know, PlayStation heavy, but it is on Game Pass. So like, you know, I, I could try it if I wanted to. Uh, maybe it says more that I haven't, <laughs> despite that. I don't know, but it, I was not really particularly sold on it. I, you know, it, it is, uh, pretty critical success though. Like people have enjoyed it, uh, and been kind of pleasantly surprised with it. Um, but I mean, like, yeah, I, I, I appreciate that, you know, Eidos would say this because definitely like, yeah, Square has been like, like I said, I, I think that company is just a wreck right now. I think it is completely directionless. <laughs> uh, like, well, like individual games are doing well, right? Like, you know, people like Kingdom Hearts. Um, The Final Fantasy uh 14 is doing very well. But as far as like from the top down, I just think that company is a wreck right now. And they are just, they're, they finger point at the Western Studios every time, right? Like they were, quote, disappointed with the Tomb Raider sales when like, I don't know the exact figures, but I do know those games were excellent, you know? Um, and uh, so, yeah, good. I'm glad they're, they're standing up for this. And, you know, if, uh, you know, talking about Sony acquisitions, if Square doesn't want to hang on to IDOS anymore, then maybe Sony can buy them and, you know, give them the love they, they deserve.
3: <laughs> yeah, I... And I to, to be fair to IDOS, like, they did all... They made what seems to be a really, really good video game. They did all they could do. So you know they they have nothing to be ashamed of you know whether or not the game sold like that the the brass at square thought it should have sold is another thing but as far as the studio goes i mean it seems like you know you know again they did everything they they carry their end of the bargain
1: right yeah like they're the developer isn't it on square as the publisher to handle
0: the sales part (laughs) you know all right yield uh you've been kind of quiet What do you think about the... It sounds like their
2: mantra. All of our games don't do as well as we think they do. So, I mean, I'm not shocked by it. I hear Guardians is a really good game. I have yet to play it. I want to play it at some point,
0: but... yeah, Guardians is a game that I would also recommend playing. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, obviously when guardians of the galaxy were announced in the MCU, I didn't know who the hell they were watching the movies. It, it brought me to knowing who the characters are. Uh, I have to say, and maybe this is, you know, little, I I don't know, weird to say, but if it wasn't for the MCU, I probably would not have played this game. And possibly this game probably never would have been made, uh, because the popularity of the movies, I, I think I have to agree with you on both counts, honestly. Like, uh, I agree it
1: probably wouldn't have been made. And I definitely, you are definitely not alone in, like, playing it because of the MCU, for sure. I guess that's the vast majority of players, honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean, and none of the character, like, none of the, the character designs in the game match the MCU characters. They all have individual right. personalities. They They tried hard to separate the two, and I think they did a fantastic job with it. I mean, obviously, the, the humor's still there. Uh, one of my favorite things, but it also gets annoying in the game, is the uh, the huddle up. You could be in the middle of a battle, knocking out a, an awesome combo. All of a sudden, you'll team up, and everybody will come together in a circle, and you, you, know, you as Star-Lord, because you play Star-Lord the entire game. Uh, you give them like a pep talk, and depending on the pep talk, whether it goes good or bad, they get buffs, or you know they they drop down in power, or they don't attack as much, or whatever it is. So it, it's it's a cool animation, it's a cool uh, feature in the game, but it, it gets annoying because every time it pops up, you feel like obligated to hit it, but then you always want to make sure that you choose the right choices, and the right choices aren't exactly obvious which one you make. So. Mm. So,
3: uh, well, and, yeah. and to be fair you know we, we always kind of want information at light speed these days you know like oh this movie had the opening day weekend blockbuster sales of this or you know this video game is the fastest selling video game on this console like you know these video games are on sale for a long long time they are on these digital storefronts you know and sometimes stores for a while so maybe instead of calling your game a disappointment very early on based on early sales Maybe wait it out and just see how it goes. I mean, I know that companies are beholden to, you know, shareholders and whatnot, but a game can in the long run be a success, even if up front it doesn't, it's not exactly where you want it to be. So maybe just don't judge a game and label it after a week or two weeks or even a month or two months, you know, they can always make that up.
0: And I, I didn't put it in the agenda, but they are actually making another Tomb Raider. I did see something about that. Uh, uh, what was it?
2: Earlier this week it popped up? Uh,
0: yeah, uh, I, I'm not going to go into the article, uh, but uh, just from Games Radar, uh the headline, The new Tomb Raider could be a reimagining of Laura's first adventure, but some fans aren't convinced. And then the sub-headline is, Is Crystal Dynamics looking to the past for inspiration? So, I I hope this is not another reboot.
2: That would be dumb to reboot it already, in my opinion.
0: Uh, So, as we get more information on that, maybe we'll talk about that next week on the show. Uh, Let's go on to our next topic. Uh, This is written by George Yang over at IGN. Ghost Recon Breakpoint will receive no more new content. Uh, Ubisoft has announced that it will be ending content support for Breakpoint, little over two years of continuous updates. The final piece of content, Operation Motherland, launched back in November, uh, on November 2nd. Uh, quote, the last four months marked the release of our final piece of content, the brand new Operation Motherland mode. Tons of new items, including the 20th anniversary iconic outfits and quartz items for Ghost uh, Recon Breakpoint. We will continue to maintain servers for both Wildlands and Breakpoint, and I truly hope, we truly hope you will continue to enjoy the game and have fun playing either solo or co-op with your friends. Now, with that being said, we have a sub-article coming here saying that a Ghost Recon sequel is reportedly in development. This would be the 17th game in the series uh, on its way. Sources told Kotaku that Codename Over will be the series' latest and could be released in fiscal year 2023, meaning sometime next year. This is a separate project from Ghost Recon Frontline, a free-to-play battle royale that saw a delay within a week of being revealed last October. Kotaku also reported that development of Frontline is expected shaky as the project is undergoing a full reset with no launch date anytime soon. So... I mean, we talked about you know at certain point developers have to stop supporting their games and with content and stuff like that, and it sounds like another game's on its way. So, I mean, is this? I hate to phrase it this way, but is this really news uh, worthy anymore? Talking about okay, we have to stop development because we really? have to start working on our new game.
3: Well, you you thought you thought it was because you put it on the agenda
0: <laughs> the
2: fact that you're working on a sequel. That would kind of tell me that you're, you know, when you officially come out and say, hey, we're working on a sequel, that's kind of the end of what you're currently supporting. because you've got everybody focused on the new game, not, not you're in the beginning stages of it where you can peel some people off. But, I mean, they supported it for two years. I would say that's good.
1: I... I look at it I think I see reason different reasons for each of these two kind of stories um with with no more breakpoint content first of all i I feel like that that game did not hit as hard as other ghost recon games have in the past like I feel like folks were way more excited about wildlands when that was the newer one than they were ever about breakpoint. that's just personally how I saw it but um
0: well to be fair i I got breakpoint at launch and uh-huh. uh I stopped playing it immediately it was broke. Because well, not broke, but they had a lot of issues. I was well, they had issues. But my point of going from Wildlands to Breakpoint in Wildlands, if I was playing it solo, I had a team of three people behind me, three AIs. Now, if somebody joined me in uh, Wildlands, the other two AIs would disappear. I mean, if I had four people playing, four people total in my group, all four of us would be. But if we only had like me and you playing Yield, our other two teammates just disappear When... Mm. Uh, Breakpoint. Why am I drawing a blank on the, n- Breakpoint. the next one? Breakpoint. When Breakpoint came out, if you were playing solo, you didn't have a team with you. They patched that in later, after about six months. So if you were playing Breakpoint and you were playing by yourself, you had no support team and the game got increasingly harder to play.
2: Hmm. Um...
0: The, but the, I think the reason that
1: I don't think uh, – or the reason I think they felt the need to sort of announce that there was no more coming is because of the whole like uh, Ubisoft courts, uh NFT program. Like they're – they're you know, they've, they've tried NFTs for a couple of their games. Breakpoint got one and I think they probably felt the need to say like, hey, uh, there's no more content for this and they kind of reading between the lines. There won't be another like NFTs, you know, with this game. Uh, I, I think maybe they felt motivated to say it because of that. And then as far as, like, the report about the sequel being in development, I the reason I – I mean, you know, it's a new game. It's a report. If it's not officially announced, that's always kind of fun to talk about. But I also think that's important just because it is different from Frontline, which is the, like, Ghost Recon kind of Battle Royale game they're working on. This is a different game from that. And so I think it's important just for them to announce, like, we're making a new quote-unquote real one. Frontline's just, you know, this kind of other thing that, you know, this other mode or this other, like – you know, multiplayer only game that we're, we're doing on the side.
0: All right. Alex, you have any further comments?
3: I mean, I guess my question is,
0: is it that they've
3: exhausted their, you know, what they can do with Breakpoint, or they just feel like, okay, it's time to move on. Or people are expecting by now after a certain amount of support that, okay, it's time to move on. I mean, you said it when you kind of were reading the article or when you were giving your thoughts on it, that, you know, obviously, you know, games have to come and go and sequels have to come. And and that's not always the case. I mean, you can make more of a platform out of it. You can always, you know, if there's enough content, engaging content that you can put to that game, you can make a game last forever. Maybe it just was that Breakpoint was not that game that they foresaw could do that. Or maybe they just felt it was time. You know, I I guess there's always kind of when you are a video game developer or a publisher, you see a game out there and it's like, okay, like there's some kind of like, invisible pressure that it's like okay it's it's time to make another one of these games so
0: i mean look at gta 5 i mean that game is getting increasingly better and or not better but it, it's living a long ass time because they keep supporting grand theft auto online but when you ask a question like that because that game's been out for what 10 years now it's been on the ps3 ps4 and the ps5 gta online yeah it's been a long time um at some point, like, where does Rockstar turn around and say, okay, we're going to stop making content for this, and we're actually going to start making content for GTA 6? Because you know GTA 6 is going to have online as well, and they can merge the worlds kind of like what they did with Warzone with the Call of Duty series, where every time they release a new Call of Duty, they just patch in the new game's content into Warzone and keep that going.
1: Yeah. So, and we are getting a new warzone well i believe that's still technically just a report but like you know there is talk of a warzone 2 coming right. i think it's next year so like we kind of we kind of haven't seen that sort of thing happen yet we saw it with like destiny right destiny to destiny 2 but there's nothing we haven't really seen the like side mode as its own thing get a sequel yet to my knowledge i think warzone would be the first time we see that you know it'll be interesting to see how they handle that
0: I mean I mean, let's be real, we're probably never gonna see a Fortnite 2. We're probably no. never gonna see <laughs> you know what I'm saying it's Yeah. Eight night, if you will. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right. And speaking of Rockstar, uh, it was also announced that Remedy and Rockstar are combined in forces and they have announced Max Payne One and Max Payne Two remakes for the PC PS five Xbox Series X slash S. Uh this is kind of a weird for me to see Remedy teaming up with them. Uh this is coming from IGN and is written by Matt Kim. Uh in a surprise announcement Remedy will work with Rockstar under a new publishing agreement to remake the first two Max Payne games for the PC, PS5 and Xbox Series X and S. Remedy will handle development while Rockstar will finance the project, which will be in line with a typical Remedy AAA game production. The Max Payne remakes will also be developed by Remedy's Northlight game engine, the same engine used to develop Control and the upcoming Alan Wake 2. The original Max Payne games were also a result of a partnership between Remedy and Rockstar. I did not know that.
1: I was about but, to say, like, I'm pretty sure, like, Sam Lake, like, the guy who runs runs Remedy or is at least high up on the sky, like, he's the face of Max Payne, literally. So, like, I know they were tied in some way.
0: I, I honestly did not know that. Um Uh... With, like I said, Remedy's handling the development of Rockstar is publishing, Rockstar also handled, handled the development of Max Payne 3. Quote, we are thrilled when our longtime friends at Remedy approached us about remaking the original Max Payne games. We are massive fans of the work of, of the Remedy team has created over the years, and we can't wait to play these new versions. Remedy CEO Taro v- Vertala added, quote, Max Payne has always been a special place in the hearts of everyone at Remedy, and we know that millions of fans worldwide feel the same. Uh, he went on to say that he's excited to bring back the story, action, and atmosphere of the original Max Payne games, uh, back to the players in new ways. Uh, and it's also sounded like the game is a full remake, uh, so it's just not a coat of skin over the top of it, uh, using Remedy's new- newest engines, and will have a match in AAA budget. So, uh, I've never been a fan of the Max Payne games, but this is exciting news for a lot of people. I know Levi is a huge fan of Remedy. Uh, I don't know if he likes Max Payne or whatnot, but Levi, this is for you. That's why we're putting this in there. Uh, Yield, wh- what do you think about Max Payne in general? And how do you feel about Remedy remaking the first two games?
2: Well, it's awesome that you went back and got the guys who made the first two games to remake them again, because now you're going to know that they they will be done right. Um, I kind of passed the controller a little bit with a buddy on Max Payne 1. I enjoyed what I played. And I'm actually kind of glad that they are bringing this back because I give me a chance to play them.
0: The only thing I remember from Max Payne 1 was that crying baby.
2: That and the, uh, the level towards the end where you're kind of like, not stuck in your head. It's kind of like a, a, a dream one where everything's dark and you got to like guess the path to go or you fall off. So it's basically trial and error. That was kind of nuts. All right, Alex.
3: You know, I think Remedy is with all these acquisitions going on, I think Remedy is making a really good case that somebody needs to buy them. I mean, their name has come up before, but you know, just how can they, they can work on their own projects and then also how they can work with the studios to bring those projects, of light. I mean, you think about someone like Valkyrie Entertainment, who was like helping Sony with some of the development of their games, like God of War. Or you think of Blue Point doing all these remakes for Sony. You know, now being bought by Sony and doing their own triple A game. But Remedy is sitting here, and yes, you know, regardless of them being involved, you know, this sitting out here working on a project for Rockstar, you know, funding being funded by Rockstar. I, I don't know. It's just like, hey, Rockstar, maybe buy Remedy. That would. Seem to be a a good fit, or just I, I don't know. To me, when I read this, it's like Remedy makes a good case whether they mean to or not for being purchased by somebody else. I, I know I never played the Max Payne games, I know they use like they, they used like the bullet time feature back when I was like super popular. When what Matrix did it, it was, was Max Payne one of those games that used it, utilized it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I never played them. But uh, I mean though you were always I know we got sequels, I think there were two sequels to it. Three. So I mean well they well they well, were sorry, two, two sequels. It, two sequels. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sorry, I I may have said that in a funny way, but No, I misheard miss
2: Yeah.
0: Well To
3: well. get three sequ- to get two sequels, like three games in a series, that's nothing to sneeze at, so obviously they were popular games within the, the video game ethos at that time. So and it doesn't surprise me after all these years. I think it is now a good time to actually bring back the Max Pain games.
0: Right, and I just want to correct you, uh, when you said Rockstar should buy uh, Remedy, uh, Rockstar is actually owned by Take-Two, so it would have to be Take-Two to buy his Remedy.
3: Well, fine. The other larger parent company or the parent it, company can swallow them up, but you know what I mean.
0: They're all, that. well, if they're owned by Take-Two,
1: then they're already under the same banner, right? Is
3: Remedy t- owned by... Remedy by Take-Two? No, no I, it, no, I think, Tony, what he was saying was I was saying that Rockstar should buy them when Rockstar is owned by Take-Two and Take-Two would have to buy Remedy. Okay, gotcha. Sorry, so I, I
0: misunderstood.
3: I, yeah. No, no, I I just I, I, said the studio <laughs> instead of the parent company. But, gotcha. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I actually thought Rockstar was uh, independent. I, I thought Take-Two just did their publishing. I didn't know they were actually owned by them.
1: It's a weird... Why, why the hell else? Weird. Oh, go you ahead, go. Tony. Uh, it's like a weird thing. They, they call them like their parent company, but they like, they just use weird terminology. Like they don't call them like their owners or whatever. It's, it's weird. They have a really weird dynamic. I I don't get it. I think it's just rockstar not wanting to sound like they have owners, but, uh, they have a, they use weird terminology (laughs) for like just for them and take two.
0: I well, I just googled Rockstar Games because I because I wanted to make sure before I say anything. Uh and Take Two Interactive Software is actually listed as their ownership and parent organization. Oh, both. Okay, interesting. Which, like I said, I I thought Rockstar was independent, and Take Two mm. just did their publishing. Mm. So, all right. So at this time, we are going to go to our listener questions. Uh so Tony, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have I. When we bring a new guest on the show, we play a sound bite uh, for our listener questions, and we've had the feedback. best sound bite ever. All right, had, I'm we've, myself. We've had some mixed feedback about it. Okay, uh, so after you hear the sound, you have to tell me: uh, Would if you were listening to the show, do you want to hear it more, or do you never want to hear it again? Okay. <laughs> so here's our sound for our listener questions.
3: Time. To check my social media, yeah.
1: <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, I mean, that works as your segue for this section. That's, I don't know, I don't know what I was expecting. It wasn't that, uh, <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, yeah, it works for it, works for a segment intro. That's, uh, I, I approve, gets a thumbs up.
0: We, we've had pe- people say, never play that again. And then we've had people go, that is the best thing ever. Yeah, it's, it, it does
1: exactly what you need it to do. Now, if if I if somebody said that, like, out in the real world outside of a podcast, I, I would be very upset <laughs> what about that. But <laughs> in the context of a podcast, soundbite is perfect. Does the job.
0: Alright, so our first question is coming from JT. He says, how long of development hell will Kingdom Hearts 4 have my <laughs> estimate? He goes, my estimate is 69 years. What is yours? I mean, I've, obviously I've already said, you know, it's going to be at least 10 years away. Alex, we'll go to for, first you. How long of development hell do you think it will be in?
3: I really got no good answer for you because I've kind of lost track of the timelines between all of the uh, Kingdom Hearts games. Well, you want know, just the gap? Two was or one and two were like something
1: like three or four years apart, and then three, like proper three, was twelve or thirteen years after that.
3: <laughs>
0: I'm actually, you
3: know, I'm, I'm gonna be optimistic works. on this. All right, I'm gonna try to, uh, to ease or soothe the the pain of the the King of Hearts fans here, and I'll say, I think it'll be four years. I don't know what reason I have to be optimistic, but to me, Square Enix, like, I would think that after such a long development of 3, they would want to get 4 out there, and I'm assuming they've been working on it, like, they didn't just, like, show up to work today and, like, all right, Kingdom Hearts 4, let's go ahead and start working on it. so, 4 years.
1: All right, I, so- uh, I do think that.
0: <laughs> all right, so, official uh, release years. Kingdom Hearts came out in 2002. Kingdom Hearts two came out in two thousand and five, so that's a three year gap. And Kingdom Hearts three, which so twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen, right? Uh twenty nineteen. Yeah. So you went fourteen years after
1: after two. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, those fourteen years were were filled with other games. It's not
0: like there wasn't Kingdom Hearts, but for proper three, that's a long wait. And, and I'm not mentioning all the other ones like Change of Memories, Code. Yeah, know, yeah. Birth by it, Sleep's yeah, great. So, uh, Yield, how much of development hell do you think?
2: Hey, as long as it goes longer than Duke Nukem Forever, and that's no longer the butt of the joke, that'd be awesome.
0: <laughs> uh, and Tony, I, that's a good I was, I was googling, so I didn't get. You, I didn't know if you actually answered it properly.
1: No, I didn't. I didn't. Um, I. So I, unlike uh, unlike uh, uh, Alex there, I do think they did just show up and say, all right, let's do this. And they threw together – not threw together because it looked good. But uh, that trailer to me definitely read like we just need to make a trailer. Uh, like, I don't believe for a second I'm watching actual gameplay there. But uh, my answer, I'm going to be very scientific about this. It's development hell. There are nine circles of hell. I think there will be nine years of development. <laughs>
3: This may be a dumb question Tony but sure after they allowed Sora to be put well of course Disney had to agree to that too so there's all kinds of you know gears in that and uh, that you know, clock D- tower Disney
1: wouldn't have had to be a part of it that's why it's only Sora and actually people were pretty disappointed that it was only Sora cuz it's specifically no Disney whatsoever in the Smash
3: Brothers thing it's just just purely Square Enix Sora Okay, because that, that was always, like, the holdup that everyone talked about was the yeah. fact that it also had to go through Disney, but sure, I stand yeah. corrected there. But you're telling me that, that Square Enix uh, is in such, like, they they can't plan for shit in such a way that as soon as Sora was in Super Smash Bros., they didn't start this or they didn't plan this as a way to capitalize on that. Like, this this synergy in one of the biggest Nintendo games there is, I mean... No. Maybe I have more hope. So than the reason for I square. don't
1: think so is because, uh, like, when they when they added Sora to, to um to Smash Brothers, um, uh oh, his name has escaped me. Sakurai, what was it?
3: Sakurai. I think that's the Masahiro Sakurai. The,
1: yeah, yeah, that's the Smash Brothers guy, right? Um, yeah. he was he was saying like they no they were in talks like they'd wanted him like kind of from the jump in that game. And they'd been in talks basically for that long (laughs) to get him finally into the game. (laughs) Um, so I, so that said though, as far as Disney being the holdup, I do think that's absolutely a, a holdup as far as the development goes, like certainly, uh, of, of kingdom hearts that is. So like, I just, I just really just think as a company, they're a wreck. like, like, like I said Final Fantasy 14 does well and they kind of seem like they can do their thing and the and you know that those the the players love that game but just yeah as far as a company I don't know what Square Enix is doing man I just think they are just in I, I don't know what's going on <laughs> over there I truly think they need a completely like wipe the slate clean all new leadership kind of situation to be frank um, as far as, I'm talking like top level like executive stuff who is saying these are the games we're making you know um, so I really do think it's going to be, I will be shocked if it has a regular development cycle. I'll be like pleasantly surprised, right? Cause I'd like to play it, but I truly do think it's going to take some time.
0: I, and I was just going to say, we're probably never going to see, uh, realistically, we're probably not going to see this game until 2027, at least. <laughs> yeah. PlayStation six. So it
3: can't be as bad as half-life three. <laughs>
0: Alright, next question is coming from Homer, and uh, Yield, I'm going to warn you, don't jump the gun. Uh, Homer says, in honor of Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga's release, did Han shoot first? (laughs) Alex, we'll go with you, sir. Why
3: do I have to have the pressure of going first? Let me just make sure I have the history correct. (laughs) Alright. In the original release of Star Wars, A New Hope, Han shot first, correct?
0: Yes. that That is the debate. That is the long, and, long-standing debate.
3: And then George Lucas retconned it later on to have Greedo shoot first, and then Han retaliated after he dodged it or Greedo missed or whatever, and shot Greedo, correct? Correct. So, I am one to think that Han would get the jump on Greedo, because I see Han as a very savvy smuggler, very intelligent character, you know, that would see that Greedo is a very underhanded being who might try to do something like she first, but he can't, because Han is better. So I'm going to go with the original release and say that Han shot first. Alright, right, Tony? Uh, I do think Han shot
1: first, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it was preemptive. He didn't want to get got, you know.
0: All right, and you'll, you kind of answered it already, but you'll
2: yeah, uh, Han shot first because that that was the moment where I'm like, this dude is a badass, and I absolutely love him because it, it it gave you the sense of Tatooine was kind of the Wild West, and it was shoot first, ask questions later, or you're dead. So. You know, I mean, the guy already had the gun on him, so there's not many moves you can do other than shoot him under the table. So, yeah, Lucas's idea of of trying to fix
0: it. No. All right. I'm going to disagree. I think Greedo shot first. Well, of course. Of of course you would. Plays devil's advocate. Look. No, no, I, I legit think Greedo shot first. And- Is that
3: because it happened later in the timeline and Lynn Lucas, or not later in the timeline, but, but Lucas as a creator went back and made that change, and now you see that as the,
0: no, the I, canon? No, I have the original movies. I still have the VHS tapes. Uh, unfortunately, I cannot watch them because I don't have a VCR and they don't make them anymore. Um <laughs> uh, But if I had access to a VCR, I would go back and play the original because I honestly believe Greedo shot first. And that's what I remember. Putting
3: Han in that position to where he kind of just goes over his shoulder and he's kind of like, oh, she shot at me. It kind of makes him look like a goof. Let's be honest. To to have Greedo kind of pull that over. It also makes Greedo look like a goof because how the fuck do you miss from that far away?
0: (laughs) All right. So, uh, with that being said, uh, we're going to go into this week's Sophie's Trophies. Sid got a lot of great feedback for Elden Rings last week. Uh, He does a fantastic job with it. I do not know what he's covering uh, this week, and we're going to find out together.
4: Hello again, guys. It's Sid with Sophie's Trophies. This week is another short game, um, just while I'm playing through a couple of big games. This one is called Barry the Bunny. A very simple 2D platformer. Um, I'm not sure if it's a Rat Plot or not. Um, it might be. I don't know. But I'll get into the trophies. They're all really pretty simple, guys. So, as always, we have Platinum Bunny. This is get all of the trophies. And then we have um, trophies for marking how many levels you've done. So, we have one level, five levels, seven levels, a lot of levels, which is actually 26. Um so the idea of the game is you've got to get barry the bunny from one level edge of the level to the other end um, without killing him obviously there are enemies there um you, you can throw things at the enemies um and you have to rescue three bunnies on each stage um i want or collect three pieces of wood um, and that rescues a bunny on the stage so it allows the bunny to move uh to build a little bridge to get into his little cottage Even though it's a tiny gap and a bunny could probably jump over it anyway. So we have. Save 5 bunnies. Save 10 bunnies. Save a lot of bunnies. Which is 25 bunnies. Why it isn't save 26 like the levels, I do not know. Then we have the enemy trophies, guys. This is the hedgehog. Killer hedgehog. The bee. Killer bee. Level up. Get a potion to increase your equipment. So, your equipment, guys, is basically just, it gives you an extra hit. So, you don't really level anything up, really. You just get an extra hit. And then the final trophy on this one, um, it's a very short one. There's only 12 trophies on It It is Carrot Keeper. And that is, get 25 carrots at the same time. Um, So, as you're moving through the game, you'll collect carrots. If you die, your carrot count goes back to zero. Just go through it and make sure you collect 25 of them. So, yeah, I know, very simple one this week, guys. Um, I am kind of doing Horizon, um, Forbidden West, and I'm kind of doing Guardians of the Galaxy, but um, I keep going back to Elden Ring on the PS4, um, so I need to stop myself doing that, guys, because it's getting a bit silly now. Um, It's like a crack addiction. It's terrible, you know? Although, luckily, I don't get the shakes and start mumbling to myself. Well, not about Elden Ring, anyway. So, that's going to be it, guys, for this week. I'm going to try and do a couple of big games, or a big game, so I can give you the lowdown on that one. But for now, that's Sophie's Trophies for this week. I will talk to you soon. Keep getting those trophies. Bye!
3: You know, the first step into recovery is admitting you have a problem, Sid, so, you know... (laughs) Although it, based on what Tony said, maybe it's not a problem that you keep going back to Elden Ring because you know maybe it's just that damn good.
0: And, and for the record, Bad Bunny is definitely a right Plate game.
3: Is that in your folder for next January, Tricky?
0: It, all six versions of it. Yes. <laughs> but was that
3: was that before Sid did a Sophie? Well, I guess you said we all find out together which game he did. But
0: so you you found this game before Sid. Oh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been my backlog since, uh, since the trophy, uh, Extra Life. So, wait, are you just
3: searching by Game Maker, or is there, like, some secret society, some some underground society of rat platters that you go to, like, a meeting, and then like, alright, now let's read the minutes, and then we're gonna read all the games, and rat plats that are coming to town.
0: Well, I mean, well, the reason we call them rat plats is because they're made by a company called Radalika Games. So that's where Rat Platts come, that that term comes from. Uh I mean I know we often talk about spam uh, but there are some spam games out there. Uh same companies make the visual novels or the uh, other games. So but, yeah, but Rat
3: uh, has become has come to encompass all the very easy platinum trophies, like the quick ones, the quick and dirty yes. ones. It's not just... Rad- Radalika can't make all these games. They can't have put out all these games.
0: No, no, they haven't. But I'm just saying, that's where the term Rat Plats came from, is because it was the Rad Le- Radalika games. And uh, yes, you can go onto their site and see all their games. And most of their games are like anywhere from $0.99 cents to $5. And they come out with different uh, regions. So right now... Uh, I have alt accounts, which I have to get into, actually, on the show. Uh, maybe we'll do that for a topic of the week. Uh, but I have alt accounts for the U.S., uh, the U.K., Japan, and another division. I don't know if it's China or Australia. I'm not exactly sure. But I have three alt accounts in which some of these games come out in the different regions, and yes, I go buy them. Um, All right, before Tricky makes me sick to my stomach. With Man, with this you nonsense, know, you
2: have a problem.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, Sid, Sid thinks he has a problem, and he's just going to buy back to play a really really good game. And then here you are with folders of hundred really crappy games, and yeah. you you don't have the problem.
2: And he can't play the one good one.
0: <laughs> I, I listen. I've been playing quality games since January first
2: because you had to. Yeah,
0: because you had yeah, because you
2: made a deal.
0: All right, so let's get into our topic of the week. Uh, last week we were talking about how E3 was officially canceled. Uh, before we get into that, Tony, uh, how do you feel about E3? Is it is is it an industry necessity or is E3 kind of dying?
1: I mean, listen, since the since the since we moved out of the print era, it has been dying. Like, honestly, like you don't need a, a central thing like that anymore now. Th- I say that as far as the like, you know, your consumers and getting the word out there, right? Cuz like with Nintendo Directs and State of Play and all those kinds of things, you can just kind of get year-round, you know, E3 equivalent um announcements, right? Like you're not going to get one week that's jam-packed like you used to, right? Like in a world without an E3, you wouldn't get that same like kind of one-week marathon, right? But you would get you'd still get like a, you know, like I said other th- streams throughout the year. Now, the thing that is much more difficult to replace, unfortunately there are other there are other avenues for this. The one thing that's far more difficult to replace is the networking part of it. Um, like for folks, you know, uh, you know, like myself when I was trying to break into this sort of thing, you know, shows like that are very important for meeting people and and networking. Um now, you know, you have things like PAX, Comic-Con, et cetera, that fill that void, thankfully. Um, but yeah, like honestly, like, yeah, like I think I think we'll be okay. We'll be okay without an E3. It's weird, right? Because we've had them since, uh, what was the first one, 94? Uh, like I don't know. Yeah, so it, it, it'd be weird without it. But like, I think, here's the thing. I don't necessarily think it is dead and gone right now. I know it is not happening this year at all. But I think if we do not get one in 2023, I think that's it. I think if we get one in 2023, it's going to hang on for a few more years, but I think two in a row and it's definitely gone. I don't, I don't think it's dead and gone just from this year, but I think if we don't get one in 2023, then it is definitely just gone. Um, and like I said, I think that's okay. There's enough news year round and there are other shows, um, that give people the chance to network. So like, I think what we love about E3 still exists. It's just kind of spread out instead of crammed into one, into one week.
0: And uh, I just looked it up. E3 started in May of 95. 95, okay. Yeah. So it's, you know, we've had it a long time. It'll be weird without it,
3: but, you know, it's nothing good. Nothing lasts forever, right? Well, I I was thinking about this, and, you know, you mentioned how you worked for G4, telling And I remember when, I can't remember what year it was, but back in the heyday of, of G4, I'd watch. Uh, their coverage of E3, like, all the time, like, Adam Sessler, Morgan Webb, everybody. And I would make, I would make like, time in my day to do that. Now, granted, I didn't have as many responsibilities as I do now, but I, I would make time to watch all of their coverage, even games I wasn't interested in because E3 was that big for me. And now it's, like, I want very specific, specific information about games that I'm interested in, as opposed to watching, like, a giant sh- trade show unfold in front of me. And I guess... I wonder if maybe the audience that was there for E three at that time and would do that and carve out that time for an entire, you know, weekend experience of watching, kind of like you know a WrestleMania weekend, but for like video games. Is that or like, are like we past that? Is there a certain segment of the audience that's just past that? Have we grown? And as we've grown, like we now want we're, our time is so pulled in so many different directions that it's like we need the state of plays or the Nintendo Directs where it's like. Here's the information you need in 20 minutes. Go do the rest of your life.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I think, honestly, I think you said it yourself when you said you you like to find information about the games you're already interested in, right? Like, like those showcases, they're important, like, for introducing us to new games, right? Like, there's games like, um, what's that one crazy-looking uh, uh, Dino Crisis kind of game? Exo something primal. you know exo
0: primal
1: primal yeah exoprimal, yeah. like you know something ridiculous like that we need it needs to be introduced in a, in a in a showcase right because we need to be shown for the first time but then you know like you were saying alex then at that point you can just take it upon yourself to to try to look up oh what's new with that game i'm interested in Or has anything come out about that you know so i think um you know, I think folks, especially in, you know, it's 2022, people are just more savvy with that stuff now, right? They know how to find the info for the games that they're interested in, or they know how to find general info on games, right? Back in the day, you kind of depended on E3 to be your, like, you know, uh weather forecast for the year on that stuff. And you counted on your G4s, etc. to make that stuff
0: known to the people.
1: But now people are perfectly capable of searching that stuff out themselves, you know?
0: See, I, I, I want to get your thoughts on this because, uh, you know, a couple years ago I when they opened up E3 to the public, because E3 was always an industry event. It was never open to the public. It was only industry types that were going. Do you feel that them opening E3 up to the public, to the fans, is kind of what killed it? I don't. So I wouldn't necessarily say that's what killed it I because
1: I don't think that was the thing that did it. I think that was just proof of the direction it was already going. Because, like, first of all, the first year or two they did that. I don't know why anybody would have wanted to go because it was, it was so still jam-packed. very much a trade show, and it,
0: and it was so jam packed you couldn't really move around either.
1: Right? Exactly. So I don't know why anybody would want to. Like, I always viewed it as like when both when when it was you know still it, you know when it was still around, so to speak. I always viewed E three as the press thing. Uh, I, I always did view it that way. And I viewed, you know, your paxes and shows like that as your, that's the time when you go as a community to check stuff out. Like, that's when you're going to have more fun. There's there's more for people who aren't part of the press. There's more for them to do at shows like that, you know? Right. So, I never understood why anybody would want to go to E3 if they weren't pressed, to be completely honest with you. Just because it wasn't that kind of show. Um, so, I think that was more so a sign of the fact that E3 was already losing it versus that was the thing that made them lose it. You know what I mean?
0: See, and I, I pointed this out on the last week's show is a lot of people didn't realize that when you watch the Microsoft or the PlayStation conferences, that actually wasn't at E3. That was done prior to E3 officially starting and then right. a, a lot of right. like when you saw G4 and IGN covering the show for that was E3. Yeah, Those yeah. E- E3 were always was done before. Was like-
1: monday to wednesday or whatever it was but like those press conferences would run like friday through sunday night yeah exactly
0: right. see and uh, see i think because a lot like i said a lot of people didn't realize that so they like oh well, this is the e3 conference for sony yes it was sony doing a press conference from the location in los angeles and yes it technically you know was attached to e3 but it actually wasn't E3. And right and you, people... and you
1: could still like go and, and and like you know check out the demos for the stuff they revealed at that right. press conference but you weren't like now some of that changed right like I think Bethesda was one of the first ones to be like no we we are specifically doing ours for an audience of our fans. Right. Like there, so there were changes to it in that way but definitely not like we were saying definitely not for those first two years and, and truly I was like I don't know why anybody would like like I already said it but yeah I don't know why anybody would have wanted to go like there wasn't anything there to just kind of have fun with, you know.
0: Right. <laughs> All right. so let's get into our topic of the week. Uh this is coming from IGN as written by George Yang. I'm going to read the entire article, so please go give it a click and uh check it out. Former PlayStation boss reveals his best and worst E3 moments at Sony. Uh former US PlayStation CEO Jack Trenton certainly had his share of ups and downs at Sony. While his tenure was filled with more highs and lows, PlayStation certainly had its tough moments between 95 and 2014. In an interview with Axis, Trenton shared some of those moments, recalling some of his best and worst moments from E3. They include the PlayStation 4 reveal, which managed to deal a devastating blow to the hopes of the PlayStation 1 before the generation even began. You mean the, the,
3: the Xbox One?
0: What I say? PlayStation, PlayStation 1. I apologize. In the hopes of, uh, hopes of the Xbox One before the generation ever began. The reveal included the, quote... Uh, Official Sony used game introduction video, which mocked Microsoft's DRM policy of restricting used games, which the company later reversed. The PlayStation 4 also managed to undercut the Xbox One by $100 due to Xbox console including the Kinect. Quote, I have a lot of friends at Microsoft now and had a lot of friends then, and I wasn't necessarily looking to do it at their expense. I was just feeling really good about doing it, Drayton said. But the times were always... Ar- but the times weren't always so good for Trenton. In 2011, PlayStation suffered a 23-day PlayStation Network outage due to the hack that left some 77 million accounts exposed. PlayStation endured heavy criticism for the event and wound up offering 30 days of PlayStation, uh, a free PSN to all members, among uh, among other make goods. Trenton opened E3 by apologizing for the event, quote, while that necessarily wasn't that while that was a ne- necessarily a tough message to deliver, I thought it had to be said. End quote. Elsewhere, Trenton reflected on some of the other projects at like Sony, which he felt were, quote, orphaned a little bit, end quote, and weren't given the ne- necessary attention they needed. He cited the PlayStation Vita's low sales and the slow adoption of PlayStation's virtual reality headset as examples of such projects. Quote, They were certainly certain, there were certainly technologies that I thought were good, just didn't have the level of support they needed. Uh, And quote, he explains, talking about how some of them lacked the marketing budget they needed and other support. Trenton left Sony in 2014 and is now part of Interactive Game Adventures, a fund working closely with indies with a mission to acquire independent studios. While acquisitions are a hot venture as of late, both Xbox and PlayStation announced steadily acquisitions of Bethesda, Activision, Activision, Blizzard, and Bungie. And Trenton Trenton doesn't see this trend as a negative. He's actually looking to buy a billion-dollar game company himself. That's the article. So, I mean, this is kind of... I put this in here because it's kind of like piggybacks off the conversation we had last week because those Sony press conferences is what made me hype for E3. Like, I looked forward to watching it. That video that they talked about with Adam Boy's hand in the game to Shuhei said, this is how we share a game. <laughs> it was so good. That was that, great. That was absolutely like one of the most epic moments. Jack Trenton on stage the same year talking about how they're not going to have DRM, blah, blah, blah. And he's just going off. And uh, I said last week, uh, uh, Tony, I, I think you know him as well. Uh, in that video, you could actually see hip hop gamers stand up and clapping. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: I I don't know him personally. I I know who he is for sure. (laughs) Been in the same room with him. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
0: He's a a blanket on his name. I think it's Gerard right now. Uh, He's actually like a really crazy guy, but he's actually uh, like as crazy as he comes off to be. He's actually the most professional guy. I see in the industry, like he takes everything seriously, like he overhypes things, like everything's like groundbreaking, blah blah blah. And I know he's a hype man, but he's actually a hundred percent professional. Uh, going back to E three, that's that's why I liked uh Trenton when he was the CEO. Like I I didn't like um why am I blanking on his name? The guy took over for him, Sean Layden I didn't like him. I don't like Jim Ryan. Trent and I thought, like, he understood what the PlayStation gamers wanted, wh- how he connected to them. Like, he he felt like one of us, where Sean yeah. Lane just felt like a, a businessman, and Jim Ryan just, you know, I'm sorry to say, he just seems like a douche to me. So. Um,
1: I, I mean, it happens, right? You don't like every exact, like, you know, right now Xbox has Phil Spencer, people love, but, you know, people did not like Don Matrick before him.
0: New. <laughs> no. Um, but I mean, th- th- this is going, I mean, th- like I said, this is piggybacking about the conversation we had last week about uh, like E3 is an important part. I just don't think it's a necessary part anymore. And, you know, him, him talking like these are the highs and, and I'm glad that like, I know he's not with Sony anymore, but it's nice to see a Sony exec come out and say, yeah, we fucked up when it came to the Vita.
3: Okay, because that's something that you shared in our group, in our group being me and Yield, and I kind of... You look at what Nintendo did with the 3DS, or the DS family of consoles, eventually they killed it off, and yeah, they put out the Switch, which is portable, and something you could put on a, in a console, if you, you know, the there's one version that you can't play on the TV, but there, you know, the, the main, the original version that came out, you can go from a handheld to on the TV, by putting the dock. The, the DS family going away and Nintendo killing that off, I think, is a sign that portable gaming, for the most part, is going to be left to mobile phones. And I think that Sony, whether they supported the Vita or not, we're going to have to kill it off at some point, because the best strategy for Sony, as I see it, is to focus on your home console market, the systems infrastructure of your home console market, the PS Plus, whatever, the games, you know, the, the Netflix style of subscription service, whatever you want to do. You know, getting stuff like uh, crossplay and getting pieced games on PC, so the PC market has access to your biggest games. That's where Sony needs to focus its attention. It's not in the mobile gaming segment because so much of that is is just you know taken over by phones. And even if people say that the Switch has the potential to play portably, sure, I get that, but it's not for me. It's not out on the go. It's if we're watching something at home. Um on the TV, and it's like, maybe I'll play some Animal Crossing or something on the Switch. So I don't think people use this. The Switch is still decently sized compared to what a portable gaming device used to be. So I don't think people play the Switch on the go as much as people would think.
0: All right, To that, I will agree with you on some aspect, but there was a a study, or I don't know, a study's the right word, but there was like a poll and they said eighty to ninety percent of people that actively play their Switch play it in handheld mode.
3: Yeah, but is that at home or like out on like at, at like the dentist office if you're in the waiting room or something like that? Like I know people that if they're they have they work with their spouses, you know, and if they both have if their schedules aren't completely in sync, you know, they'll go to work at the same time and one of them may play the Switch for an hour and they'll clock in after their you know their their partner's been working for an hour. I don't know. As in, and I'm just one person, but generally, I play the Switch in mobile mode or in in um, handheld mode when we're some we're trying to do like watch TV together, uh, me and Ashley, or you know all this and the kids. That's kind of when I play in handheld mode. I don't ever take it out anywhere because again, it's it's bulkier than a DS or a Vita, and it's not as easy to carry around. And I, I worry about dropping it and breaking it and stuff like that. So,
0: well, I mean, well. The- it wasn't defined whether people are taking it on the go, but Tony, I see a switch behind you. Uh which do you uh where, which way do you play more often? Do you play docked mode or do you play in handheld mode? It is handheld ninety
1: nine point nine percent of the time for me. Uh the only time I play a docked is specifically when I'm like taking it to like uh like I've taken it like to like my little cousins, I'll take it over and like you know, they play Mario Kart or something. Um when it's just me playing, it is Handheld, like, there's just something about it. Like, I just feel a desire to always play it handheld. Uh, the exception being if I need to capture footage, right? Because, like, you can't do that. Right, right. Um, but you know, if, if I'm just playing as opposed to like working, so to speak, um, it is 99.9% of the time it is in handheld mode. The only time it is docked right now, you it's know, I'll charged. dock it to charge it. It's only docked right now because, like, there's a Hulu thing paused on there right now while we're podcasting and <laughs> okay. which I was watching on the TV. Like, that's it.
0: Uh, so do you take it on the go, or is it just yeah. handheld on the uh, on the
1: couch? Um, yeah, often on the couch, but yeah, like you know, I'll take it. Like if I'm if I'm traveling, it comes with me. Yeah, so you know, a plane, train, um, bus, uh, wherever I'm like vacationing, like yeah, it always comes comes with me because it's a portable system with games I want to play. You know,
0: and and Alex, in response to what you're saying about them killing off the DS, I I think that because the the Switch is able to be played handheld like that, there really wasn't a need for the DS anymore, and that's why they ultimately killed it off, because they could just make those same games for the Switch, and it could double as a home console as well.
1: Yeah, I was kind of, I've just been waiting for them to do that. I, it took them longer than I thought they would, honestly, <laughs>
3: to kill it off. But do you do you think, any of you think, that even if Sony had supported the Vita, like Jack Trinity had wished, that the Vita would still be around today?
0: Yes, because the Vita, like, uh, say what you want about the Vita, but I honestly think the Vita was, uh, uh, had the potential to be a DS killer.
1: Yeah, I think we'd yeah, be agreed. on. I don't, know, uh, I, I don't know that I'd like, I don't know, I just don't necessarily use that, the whatever killer term that much, just myself, but I do think, honestly, we would be on. So at PSP, then we had the Vita. I think we'd be on whatever the next thing is from Sony. Like we'd be on whatever their next handheld is at this point, and it would be highly remote play focused. You know, is what I, is what I think. Yold, um, you said
0: something that, uh, as I said that, would you say?
2: I said no. I I, I agree with you because um, um, I remember when we were at uh, PAX East and we were sitting there with uh, well, you weren't there. It was me and Donnie. I think mean, I think you were off googling with or. Uh, pop snobbing with Greg Miller. But we were sitting, we we were sitting (laughs) with, uh, I'll never say her name right, but Andrea and her husband. Andrea Renee. Andrea Renee and her husband, they were in front of us and we got up and we just so happened to get talking about the Vita and the DS. And, and we were like, man, the Vita is an absolutely powerful console. DS has the game catalog. If Sony were to put that kind of a catalog behind the Vita, not, hey, you can play it on the... Basically, the Vita became a PS4 controller, in my opinion. If they would have supported it like Nintendo did the 3DS, oh my God, you know, the possibilities. But they didn't. They initially came out, hey, here's these games, they're really awesome. And then Japan was who was what really supported it with JRPGs. And
0: that was about it. Yeah, I, I, I honestly legit think, and I like, I thank you for saying that, Yield. I legit think that the Vita had the potential to topple what the DS was doing, and they just sh- should have supported a hell of a lot more. And I don't know if we'd have a Vita two at this point, but I definitely think one would be in the works. It's it's
2: just it's Sony's MO with all their. uh Peripherals, you know, it's. Uh, I'm not wrong though. I mean, they you they've not- supported VR a little bit more than I thought they would, but still, it's still nothing groundbreaking. Here,
3: here's the thing though, with what Sony does really well, and they're starting to branch out more and you know diversify everything they're doing. I played Uncharted Golden Abyss
0: on the Vita. It was a good game, absolutely fantastic game.
3: Yes, but I don't ever want to play an Uncharted on a handheld console again because the games like Ghost Shishima, horizon forbidden west even ratchet and clank i want to play those on a large tv i don't want to play those on a small screen while i'm hunched over staring at my lap it's like nintendo there are some games on the switch that are fine to play in handheld mode but there's also like i would rather play um you know some of the pokemon games um uh, i'm trying to think of some other stuff super smash brothers from time to time but like your Marios, your Zeldas, like Mario Party, I would want to play those on a television. I don't want to play those on a small screen. Well, and even on Mario Party, you kind of have to play on a TV. But Sony doesn't really, like all their best games, and you know, Gravity Rush being an exception, but a lot of their best games just are done a disservice by playing on a smaller screen, I think. All
0: right. I mean, and see, also what I think killed the Vita um, was when they released the, the Vita TV. And a lot of the, well, I'm not going to say a lot of the games, but a good portion of the games that came out for the Vita could not be played on the Vita TV, Golden Abyss being one of them, because they uh, weren't able to translate the controls from the Vita onto a a DualShock. So you could not play the game. Obviously, like, the one of the parts of Golden Abyss was you had to turn the Vita up to a light to reveal a, a note you can't do that on, you know, the, the Vita TV. No,
2: but they, they could have used... I, this is what was ho- getting me a little bit excited for the touchpad on the Ford controller was how you could do the rubbings. Right. And I thought, wow, that's a really nifty concept of how to use the touchscreen and the back pad and all that stuff. And that was another thing that Sony has not really grappled on is the touchpad... On either, now granted, the 5 is just getting going, but on the 4 or the DualSense is the touchpad. It's basically a glorified select button to go to the map screen.
1: Right. Yeah. It, and, it, and, and, it, it, and it really the, is. I can't tell you the last time I used the touchpad for something that wasn't a map screen.
2: <laughs> the, 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 yeah. the, the few games that have embraced it, you've been like, wow, this actually is pretty cool. But there's only been, there's, it's few and far between of the games that really embrace it, and it's just it's just a gimmick, that's how I like to say.
0: And, and you're not wrong because I th- I think one of the downfalls of the Vita, um, well, two things I'll point out is one, I don't think we needed a back touchpad on the Vita, and if Sony ever does come out with another uh, handheld console, you need to put R L two and R two buttons on it. Because that was one of the biggest factors, you know, you go from a dual shock to having, you know, that has four uh finger buttons to just having the two. And I actually bought a, a Japanese case that allowed you to use the the R, L2 and R2 because what it would do is it would hit the right point on the back touch on the back touchpad. Um, hmm. So that's cool. Yeah, I, if you give me a second, I can actually go get the, grab the cases on my uh, table over there. But I think that was the downfall of the Vita was they put too many gimmicks on the Vita at once, and at that point, it just didn't uh, get supported properly. Uh so rear touchpad,
1: is such a cool idea though. Like, it, I haven't it, seen it before or since.
0: It it is. Yeah. I right, uh, you guys talk about yourself. I'm gonna go grab the case real quick.
1: Cool. Yeah, like it. Uh, and, and, you know, kind of like you were saying there, Yield, like there there aren't a whole lot of things that really would utilize its stuff to that potential. Like I, I want to say Tearaway was a game a lot of people really loved and it really sort of took those ideas to the max. But most didn't, you know, most yeah. just most just didn't bother. Like you were saying with the with the touchpad on the DualShock. Okay. Most games just don't do that. Most just make their games and it becomes another button.
2: Yeah. And it's sad because you can see the potential in the games that use it. And, right. and and you're like, you know, if more people give it a try or keep pushing it, it's got really good potential and we, yeah, we just don't use it. You know? Yeah. I mean, we use it, but we don't use it properly. And it's like, uh, so disappointing.
0: All right, uh, I'm back. And Alice, you can take this out of the show or leave the show. I don't care. Uh, but, this is the case. You just slide the Vita into it. Mhm. And then at the top, you'll see it's got the the buttons for the L2 and the R2. And mm-hmm. what it actually does is I don't know how well you can be able to see this on the camera. But you see the section right here? Mhm. When you press the button, it actually presses into it, and because of the fabric, it looks like a you know, it feels like the your fingers touching it. So you can actually play games normally using this case. And I think this case was like, I, at the time, I, I, I think I paid $30 for it. But now they're so hmm. rare that if you go on eBay or try to buy them, I think they're like $100, $120. Wow,
1: that's cool, though. That that's a, that's a smart idea. Whoever made that. Yeah. Um,
0: And if you do buy one of these cases, make sure you buy it for the right Vita. Because uh, there was two different models. Right uh all right so i think we can close out the show at this time uh so before we actually get into our official shout outs i want to thank you for being on the show uh, thank you for having me it's been something i wanted to do for a long time i just you know never reached out properly to do it and i'm so grateful we were to, able to get you on the show
1: yeah it's all good man yeah i, I appreciate it like i said thank you for having me i mean i've, I've known y'all for for some time so yeah i'm,
0: I'm glad we can make it happen and just so you know, we're uh, we're keeping the twerp tradition alive. Every so often, we give a good old twerp you on the end of the show. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, so let's do our shout outs. Yield. We'll start with you, sir.
2: So, uh, shout out for Tony for being on the show this week. Great having you on. Uh, shout out to Alex and Tricky for recording tonight. Shout out to Alex and Nitro for Rocket League Thursday. Uh, Nitro, and Riley for Deep Rock Galactic Friday. Uh, shout out to Die Erskum as his birthday will be this Friday. Uh, shout out to all of you, the Pimps and the of the Whoredom, for downloading, listening, interacting with us, playing games with us. You guys are awesome. Uh, that'll do me.
0: Alright, Alex.
3: Give a shout out to the community, the listeners, the fuel to the fire of this tripping horse, because in the end, you all are the reason that we continue to do this show. So thank you for your continued support, Uh, whether you just download, whether you tell people about the show, whether you contribute questions on Facebook, we appreciate you so very much. A shout out to Yield and to Tricky for joining me on this late Sunday evening. And of course, a big shout out to Tony for coming on. Tony, I don't think I've ever actually spoken to you before. Definitely, as far as I know, never podcasted with you before. if I've forgotten about some time, I am deeply, deeply sorry, but it is good to have you on the show because I always feel really good when we have people on the show that are involved in the industry rather than the three of us who are just kind of like on the outside commenting on the industry. So it's it's good to get some of that insight from within, you know? I, I appreciate that, and I think you're right. I don't believe we have before, so don't worry.
1: <laughs> I don't think you're forgetting anything. Uh but but at the same time, you know, there's value in in the the outsider perspective. Like you know, back when Ben and I had you know when we did our previous show, like that was the most common feedback we got from people was like, yeah, we like that. It's 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 that that perspective. You we're, know, we're, so it, we're
2: not paid by Sony or anybody, so we can tell them yeah. they suck. God, that would be nice. Bad. That'd be real nice. <laughs> well, I, well, I'll Tony, tell you,
1: somebody who was in the industry, neither was I. So well,
2: <laughs> you if you, if you remember, and actually, he commented a few weeks ago you remember doc not sg doc but you remember doc yeah of course so he commented on a post i think it Riley shared it about us doing the uh the mall parking lot podcast mhm mhm and doc reco- or uh, sam doc made a comment on there that he loved the sh- loved our show so much because it was kind of original and we were you know, I guess real, so to speak, where that we were just, this sucks and this is why, or this is awesome, this is why. And, you know, you, you didn't have that backing of a corporation or somebody that's, oh man, this is the greatest game in the world, and it sucks.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every, everyday superheroes out here doing the doing the work for everyone else. Uh, last but not least, I want to give a shout out to my awesome and loving girlfriend, Ashley. I love you, honey, and...
0: That's going to be the end for me. All right, Tony, I'm going to let you go. Cause I always go last. Okay, sure. Um, well, shout outs
1: to all of you for having me on again. Thank you very much. Um, uh, shout out to the random guy who gave me some reusable grocery bags today. Uh, my, <laughs> my grocery store switched from, you know, they used to still give you plastic bags. They just charge you. Now all they have is these terrible paper ones that don't have handles and I'm like, I got to do this like awkward, like huddle grab thing to like walk on my groceries home. And some guy just like pulled over. He was like, hey, I saw you struggling. Take these. And he just gave me some, you know, the nice reusable ones with handles. I, I had nothing to give him in return. I wish I did. But shout out to that guy because it made carrying my groceries home <laughs> so much easier. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's it. Check out Framework on YouTube. It's cool stuff. YouTube.com slash channel slash Framework video.
0: Yeah, we'll make. Uh, I'll make sure Alex puts a link into it into our uh, subreddit this week. Sure, thank you.
1: Yeah, uh, what did I do most recent? Most recently, I did a video on on Weird West, which I mentioned before. Um, I'm in the process of the next video. Uh, like I said, I like to keep them under wraps and kind of tease it. Um, but yeah, I've done a ton of stuff that I can almost guarantee I've covered some game you like in some capacity at this point.
0: All right, and if anybody wants to reach out to you on socials, uh, how can they reach you? On your Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff? Sure.
1: Uh, well, Twitter's at Gun Pope, spelled exactly how it sounds. And Framework is also on Twitter at at Framework underscore video.
0: All right. Uh, and I want to give a shout out to, of course, Tony. I mean, thank you very much for being on the show. Uh you. have been you. A, a friend for close to 10 years, if not 11. Yeah, uh, it's been a while. We've been doing this show for eleven years, and I've known you since basically the start. Um, so well, I mean, it's it's I'm I'm always pleased to be able to talk to you. Uh, whenever I saw you at PAX East, I was I didn't want to talk to you too much because I knew you were busy because you were constantly <laughs> moving around. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm st- I'm
1: still that way, man. <laughs> I'm still exactly that person.
0: <laughs> so, uh, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you for the listeners. Uh, shout out to Sweet Mama D, uh, who is. Taking some time and spending time with her aunt in Pennsylvania. And if there's nothing else until next week, happy trophy hunting. Later. Later.